24 hours knowing that we were going to die. But, you know, really, as, as we walk this earth that God has put us on, we have no idea when we take our last step. We have no idea when we take our last breath. We have no idea when we have that last chance to make a relationship right with someone. We have no idea uh, when we have that oppor- last opportunity to witness to someone because we don't know when their day is coming. And so uh, these are some things uh, that would point me, if we think about death, not in a morbid, discouraging kind of way, but in a challenging way for preparation, for preparation. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews nine twenty seven, it is appointed unto men once to die, once to die. And so as a, as a Christian, we know we're going to die. Now, it's not a spiritual death. Praise God for that. It is a physical death. This body that you see, that you see, that I see on you, isn't going to live forever. Praise God for salvation. Praise God for that. And of course, that's something uh, to consider even today as well. Now, we're coming to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, and maybe you've read this chapter before, and maybe, you, maybe you're aware of some of the uh, points that Solomon is making here in the end of Ecclesiastes, and the wording is kind of unique there in those verses that we read just a moment ago. But it causes, as we read this, it causes me, it should cause us to consider when that day of departure is coming, not just to consider that it's coming, but more importantly, to make preparation. To make preparation. You know, no one gets up in the morning that is going to be going on a long journey and just says, okay, I haven't packed anything, I haven't prepared anything, I haven't uh, made any reservations at a a hotel, I haven't planned my route, I don't even know where I'm going, I'm just going on a long journey, I'm going to be gone for a month, I have no clothes packed. You know, that's kind of foolish. We would never do that. We would never get up one morning and go, unless it was an emergency. No, there's preparation. There's planning. I've gone on a few mission trips. There's a lot of planning that has to take place. I'll be in Uganda, God willing, in the spring. And and the tickets are booked. Planning has already been taking place six months out. Where we're going to be, who we're going to be with. This has got, we have to have a visa. We have to have shots. We have to do this. We have to do that. Preparing and planning, preparing and planning. Because the trip's coming. Well, you know what? We're coming up on a greater trip than Uganda. We're coming up on a greater trip than the Philippines and then on to Vietnam for the honeymoon. Amen, brother? I thought I'd throw that in there for you. All right. And uh, uh, we're that, I mean, hey, that's a great trip. Don't get me wrong. I remember those days. But anyway, what I'm saying is uh, we, have a, we have a greater trip that's coming, and that's that someday, soon, possibly, we don't know when, we're going to be face-to-face with our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think about these verses, it ought to cause me to prepare for that day. Now, as I place an emphasis on my day of departure, I want you to catch something, though. I am actually placing an emphasis on how I'm living now. As I am thinking and preparing for the day I'm going to die, I am actually preparing, I am actually doing, I'm actually, how did I say that? I read my hieroglyphics here. I'm actually placing an emphasis on how I'm living now. It's not that I'm only thinking about heaven and heaven and heaven and heaven. No, as I think about heaven and as I think about death physically, as I think about leaving this world, it ought to change the way I'm living right now. It ought to change how I get, what I do when I get up in the morning. It ought to change how I go about my day, knowing, knowing that, you know, I mean, goodness sakes, you're young, way younger than me, most of you, uh, uh, but we, just, we, have, we have right now in our hands, and that's it. How am I living right now as if it were my last day? How about James 4.14? Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, 
This then is an amazing question by James, isn't it? For what is your life? You know what? Ask yourself that question right now. What is my life? What is my life? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I sometimes, um, not necessarily out loud, but sometimes I think that, you know, what am I doing here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? For what is your life? I look back at my 46 years of life, and it almost feels like several different lives, quite frankly. I think about my, uh, my childhood years, and I have great memories of my childhood years, and I, I think about being in, in Tennessee during my childhood years, my adolescent years, those early childhood years from age 2 to 10, and I, have, I can remember a few things about that, and then I remember from age 10 to 18 being in Michigan and uh, being at, in uh, Berean Baptist Church, and I got to graduate from a Christian uh, academy there in grade 12, and that, that's, that's kind of a memory, that's kind of another life, if you will, and being involved in athletics and the youth group and teen soul winning and all that, and, and then I remember, and then I can look at my, my college years as another life, if you will, where you're at right now, and then those years ended, and, and I got married, and, and, then, uh, and, and then the ministry life, in the ministry life, I mean, I, you're, our lives are kind of broken up into sections of time like that. And I, I look at each one of them, and I think, wow, God has been so good. They have not been without pain. They have not been without uh, grief. They have not been without great victories. They have not been without several defeats. Uh, they have not been without challenges. But you know what? God's been there all the time. And you have to ask yourself, what is my life? And, and James says, it's not very long. He compares it to a vapor, right? You know the verse. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So if I believe that verse, and I would think you believe that verse. We, we believe the Bible is God's word, amen? So I would think you believe that your life is a vapor. So then if I believe that verse, why would I want to waste my vapor? Now my vapor might be 75, 80 years. It might be 50. Your vapor might only be 30 years. Many of you, are, I'm sure, are under 30 in the room. Several of you. You say, well, I'm going to have three score and 10. Maybe, maybe not. So the, the point is this, and I said this just a few moments ago. We have today. Let's live today to honor and glorify God. Let's live today because you may not have tomorrow. So I see several things within our text here. Let me get to these quickly before we run out of time. Number one, I see in verses one and two, the potential for the present. The potential for the present. There is no better time than right now to live for God. When I graduate, Pastor Turner, then no, no, right now, live for God. Right now. You know, it may not be, I mean, it may not, I don't know what God's will is for you. You know what? You may not live long enough to graduate. And I'm not saying that to be cute, funny, or crack a joke. I'm just saying, we don't know. So it's not, it's not, I'm living for graduation. No, I'm living for God on the, 20, uh, on the uh, fourth day of December, 2019. Because I may not wake up tomorrow morning. Many of you know, if you're, if you're friends of mine on social media, you know that my brother-in-law went to bed last Sunday night and woke up in heaven. 45 years young. No sign of a health problem. His main artery, it was almost 100% blocked. The autopsy said. His wife 
found him him on the floor in the living room at four o'clock in the morning on Monday morning. He was there, his body was there, but he was with Jesus. You see, uh, he had a lot planned, I'm sure. He had a lot to look forward to, I'm sure. And of course, this is fresh on my mind uh, as I grew up with Andy, my brother-in-law. I mean, I knew him before I was was interested in his sister in a a romantic kind of way. And we've been married 25 years now. But, uh, you know, a lot of grieving still to go on, but rejoicing that he's in heaven. But you know what it's done for me? It's made me, again, think, okay, this is no better time than the present to love God. This is no better time than the present to love God's word, love God. God's people love the lost. I love that prayer meeting for the lost. That's excellent idea. We just started a prayer meeting uh, two weeks ago on Friday mornings at 6 a.m. <laughs> at 6 a.m. So kind of like that evening prayer meeting idea, actually. Uh, but anyway, and we'll be meeting again this Friday, 6 a.m. praying and just seeking God. You know what? There's no better time than now to live for God. He says, remember now. That's a key word. You see that second word? Remember now, not tomorrow, not next week, not when it's convenient. Remember now, remember now. Hey, there's there's no better time than the present to hate sin. The potential for the present, no better time than the present to hate sin. And by the way, not your neighbors, yours. Do 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 we have a hate for our own sin life? No better time than the present to say, you know what? I hate this sin. God, can you help me? Holy Spirit of God, can you help me? No better time than the present to be faithful. No better time than the present to be uh, work diligently. Uh, no better time than the present to plan, uh, uh, to do whatever God has. No, do it now. God has given each of us a golden moment. Don't miss it. Quickly turn over to Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six. We'll be back in Ecclesiastes. Matthew chapter number six. Are you ready to die? Matthew chapter six is a very familiar passage, part of the Sermon on the Mount. You probably have read it a few times. But looking today, just quickly at verse number 34, the Bible says, Take therefore no thought for the what? Morrow. Means, what does that mean? Tomorrow, right. In other words, don't get caught thinking about tomorrow. As, as you've heard the saying, tomorrow never comes. And that's true. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I've been caught thinking about tomorrow many, many times. In fact, I've been caught thinking about next week, next year, next month, uh, all the time. You know what? That's, that, that's not right. I'm guilty of that. But I can't do anything about next year or next month. But you know what I can do? Remember now. Remember now. Now, there's, there's something to say about planning. Yes, but you know, what I, you know what? I need my plans to line up with God's plans. Look at verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, you know what? If there's gonna be problems tomorrow, they'll be there waiting on us when we get there. We don't need to take those things and bring them back into today. That's also an application there. But also, we don't need to focus on tomorrow. It's now, remember now. Live, here, here's, here's three L's. Live in the present. Live in the present. Labor in the present. And love in the present. Live, labor, and love. The potential for the present. Right now, right now, right now. No better time than right now. Live, labor, and love. Number two, big number two. We see in verses three to five of Ecclesiastes 12, we see the passing of our years. 
Let, let's, let me read these one more time to you and you read along with me, not out loud, but just read along with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse three. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low and when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Here we see in these three verses an allegory about aging. An allegory about aging. Now I'm, gonna, I'm going to come back to that and I just wanna read a few verses. I wanna read two verses to you. I'm just going to read them and then come right back to it. Psalm 90, if you just want to jot this reference down, you will, know these, you will know these verses. You have heard them, you've read them. Psalm 90, verse 9 says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. Verse 10 of Psalm 90. Soon cut off and we fly away. Our, our, our days are like a tale that is told. Our, our days are like a book. I have a little book here. Imagining this is my life and this is the beginning and this is the ending of my life. And it, you know, it is true. It's a notebook. And so I have a, lot of, I have a lot to write on my life still. At least I'm praying that way. But maybe not. I, when is the last, last chapter going to be written? I don't know. But you know what? My, my life, my book, my tale is going to tell a lot when I'm gone. And yours the same. The passing of our years. Let's look, at, let's look at back at Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. And let's look at a few of these things. The keepers of the house, the keepers of the house shall tremble. This is an allegory to, the, to our hands, to our hands. The keepers of the house, these are strong hands right now, so far, 46 years of age. But you know what? As we get a little bit older, and they're, but you know what? They're not as strong as they were when I was 20. 25 years have gone by and they're not as strong. Because no one typically is getting stronger as they get older, we're getting weaker. And these things come to all of us. And uh, so the keepers of home, the strong men, the strong men, that is, a, that, is a, that is a comparison to our legs, to our legs. You know what? The strongest part for me when I did weightlifting, now I know you don't, it doesn't look like I did a lot of weightlifting and I really didn't, but most of the weightlifting I did was with my legs. I didn't do much bench pressing. I got like toothpick arms. Never did, never could get very much muscle here. But I had, but my, but I, I did a lot of weightlifting with legs because um, we, I played soccer a lot in my young years, and so obviously the strong legs were very important for playing soccer. That's what that's talking about here. Obviously, again, everything weakens over time, but uh, that's what that's talking about. How about the word grinders? You see the word grinders there? That's talking about our teeth. Our teeth. And it says, I think it's quite humorous, uh, and, I, and I'm just reading what the Bible says. It says, because they are few. Now, I go back to my grandma, okay? My grandma, who's with the Lord. I preached her funeral many years ago. She's with the Lord. But I remember my grandma kissing me with no teeth. 
And she had false teeth. I think she got her teeth out at maybe a, year, a young age because dental stuff wasn't as prevalent as it was as it is now, at least not for her. But I remember her teeth sitting in a cup beside her bed. Oh, in, in the washroom, in the washroom. And I would go in there. I remember going in there as a boy, speaking of childhood, I remember going in there as a boy and th- wondering, what in the world is that? I never knew, I never knew it. Teeth were in a cup, you know, and they were getting, but then my grandma would kiss me without teeth and uh, I, I miss her, you know, but that's what it's talking about. It's talking about our teeth. How about that next one? Windows darkened. Windows be darkened. As we get old, these don't work quite as well either. Our eyes. Pray for me. I have an eye exam tomorrow, by the way. Pray that I pass, okay? I'm, all, these are already progressives. They're already progressives, but I need stronger ones. See, the passing of our years. In other words, I, I guess something else I want to say with all of this is these are obvious things, I think, as we've read these. Maybe you've read these before. Um, but I'm saying that don't waste today. In your youth, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm gonna pack up my bags and not do anything for God because I'm 46. I'm still, I still think of me as a youth, but I'm not 25 anymore. And I don't know, but maybe, maybe most of my, over half of my life is already gone. The window's darkened. Windows darken. How about this? The doors shut. The doors shut. Verse four. That has to do with our hearing. With our hearing. How about this? Rising up at the voice of a bird. And you know what? I'm there right now. You know what this means? Not sleeping well. I remember, I remember even just a few years ago, I could sleep, I could sleep solid without getting up. I, you know what? I can't remember the last time I slept seven hours without waking up at least two times and just waking up easy. Now, I don't know what that's attributed to, but anyway, maybe it's not even, maybe if it's, maybe it's not even as I'm getting a little bit more uh, up in years, rising up at the voice of the bird. Then there's another one. How about fear of heights? See it there? He shall rise up with the voice of the bird and the daughters of the music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, verse five. The fear in the way, there's that statement. I'm just kind of giving you these quickly. Fear in the way, more safety cautious. Not as, not as comfortable on our feet anymore. Notice that word almond, the, the almond tree. That's an that's a allegory relating to the, the graying of our hair. As I look in the mirror, I see that I'm getting more gray hair. And again, I'm only 46, but, but these things are happening. And then the last one I'll give you here is the mourners in the streets. It, basically, when someone was about to die, they were getting close to death even, this would be something that would take place in this, in this time and in this culture. So that's not really the most pleasant thing to think about, but our years are passing. And that's exactly what Solomon's talking about here. So we had, number one, the potential for the present, the passing of our years. And let's look at one more, the preparation for eternity. Notice verse six. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. The silver cord will be loosed, and we will someday be with the Lord. These descriptive, these descriptive words here in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 are dealing, are pointing to our time of death. So how do we prepare for eternity? Number one, underneath this preparation for eternity, number one, make sure that we're saved. Okay? 
Every once in a while, and this isn't because you're doubting it, but every once in a while, we wanna go back and see that time in our life when we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our savior. And again, I'm not saying any of you aren't saved today, but I also don't wanna just assume that, that even someone in Bible college knows that they're saved and on their way to heaven. But so think about that even right now for just a moment here. If you were to take your last step and your last breath and your last whatever on the fourth day of December, 2019, would you be in heaven with the Lord? The greatest way to prepare for death is to make sure that Lord Jesus Christ is your personal savior. Now I'm gonna assume that everybody here is saved. But just in case, I wanted to mention that. But then number two, the next word, I just want to give you this, preparing for death is surrender. Surrender. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I believe this goes well with it as we come to the, toward the end of the message here. Are you ready to die? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Am I saved? Am I surrendered? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. The Apostle Paul writing says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'd like you to underline or circle these three words if you do that in your Bible or write them down. I die daily. How often did Paul die? Every day. That's surrender. That's surrender. When is my number going to be called? I don't know. But I want to be saved and I want to be surrendered. Now, praise God, I can never lose that salvation. Aren't you glad for that? You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot lose your salvation. I did not do anything to get saved except by faith, bowed my knee and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my life and be my personal savior. And I'm so thankful that when that day, that was in uh, 1983, April of 1983, nine-year-old boy, I'm so thankful that to this day, I know I'm saved and on my way to heaven because of what Christ has done for me. I'm glad my salvation is secure. But that surrender, that surrender in my estimation is daily. Bible says in Ephesians, that we have to be, we should want to be not drunk with wine, but be filled, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul said here, I have to die every day. I have to die to what Ben wants to do today. I have to die to what the devil wants me to do today. You know, the devil wants us to not open the Bible every day. He wants us to ignore the Bible. You know, the devil wants us not to come to that prayer meeting if this is your church and you're coming to that, devil doesn't want you to be at that prayer meeting. Uh, I mean, some of you might be working jobs and it's impossible, so I'm not picking on you or being unkind. Well, let's just say it this way. The devil doesn't want a Christian to pray. The devil doesn't want us to give out a gospel track. And a lot of these things we don't do, and I don't do sometimes out of fear. I have to die every day to fear. You know, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But I tell you what, when Ben Turner gets in the way and I don't die like I'm supposed to die, I get, I get, I get scared of people. I get scared of what someone might say if I give them a track or try to tell them about Jesus. There's no reason for that. There's no excuse for that. I, 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 I know better than that. But you know what? Sometimes the flesh and, and, the, and the devil, uh, I haven't died to something. I haven't surrendered to something. And so I must surrender every day. I must not waste another day and be yielded to my will, but I must be yielded to his will. I cannot miss the golden moment that God has for me. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to give you two other verses and we're going to close. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, 
Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou in what? Example. Can I encourage you, every one of us here today, the man speaking right now, all of us listening right now, let's be godly examples. Let's be examples of what? Of the believers. How? In word. Let's talk like a Christian. In conversation, let's act like a Christian. That's our lifestyle. In conversation, how we live our life. In charity, let's love like a Christian. Let's love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love for the brethren. In spirit, let's have a good attitude, amen? These are all right here, right here for us. Let's be examples. Why? We're surrendered, we're preparing so that when we take our last breath, it's not about us, but it's about the God that we served. It's about the God that we worshiped. It's about the, the church that we were a part of. It's about the family of God. And we, we as the Turners and my wife's family, the Baileys, in this, in this tragedy that we've had to go through, God knowing it before the foundation of the world, we have experienced the love of the family of God in a tremendous way. And there's nothing like the family of God. In spirit, in faith, in faith. Oh God, increase my faith. Increase my faith and impurity. All of these things. And notice what he said, till I come. And I know that it's, it's Paul writing to Timothy and so forth there. But I think the application can be made even, to, even in our lives today. Until he comes or until he calls us home, let us be the godly examples that he saved us to be. And then one, one more verse, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Are you ready to die? That's the question. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. Paul is coming down to the end of his life. He says, for I am now ready. There it is. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready for what? I'm ready to die. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my what? Departure. Hey, I, I know I'm not gonna live long. I know, I'm, I, I know my life is about to be taken from me, but I have no regrets. I have, I, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to be offered. I know my departure is at hand. Verse seven, why? He says, I'm ready because I have fought a good fight. You know what? Every day, would you determine to remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth? Would you remember every day to die daily? Would you remember every day? I'm gonna fight the good fight today. Some of that is gonna be fighting discouragement. Anybody ever been discouraged before? If I could raise both feet, I would, but then I would fall. Hey, I've been discouraged. I've been discouraged in the last few days. I've been discouraged. And you know what? The devil loves that one. I think one of his most used tools is the tool of discouragement. You know what? We can look discouragement in the face and with the power of God and with the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and we can say, uh, I am amazed that he'd take the time to give me such blessings like David sang about just a few moments ago. God is absolutely amazing. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. Notice he said, number two, he said, I have finished my course. I think that word my is very important in that verse. I don't have to finish Paul's course. I have to finish Ben's course. You don't have to finish my course. I don't have to finish your course, but I need to finish my course. Whatever God has for me, that's what I need to finish. I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. We have the potential for the present. Remember now. Remember now. We have the passing of our years. You know what? As you get older, those things physically are going to begin to break down a little bit. But know this, God is faithful. God is faithful. But then we have the preparation for eternity. What are we doing to prepare for eternity? Are you saved today? Obviously, if you're not, you need to get that settled. But are you surrendered? Every day, surrender. Every day, Paul said, I must 